Thank you for listening to Crossroads Community Church of Jefferson Hills. At Crossroads, our mission is to be the church by sharing and showing the love of Christ and inviting others to be recipients of Christ's love. Now, here is this week's message from Pastor Floyd Hughes. Welcome to our Sunday morning worship celebration where we love celebrating Jesus. Uh, especially when we're trying to adjust to uh, some of the changes that we made around here. Um, but before we, before we uh, jump into our Sunday celebration and before we take the time to pray for our offering, uh, just again, we want to give thanks to Jesus for all of his financial resources. But we also want to thank, uh, there was a family, they chose to remain anonymous, and I'll respect that who, um, uh, I forget exactly how much it was, but they donated money so we could get all of these floors uh, redone, like 40%, 45% of it, they covered the cost, so thank you to them uh, for that, uh, and thank you to, like, Kevin, because immediately, as they started tearing up the floor, they found damage everywhere, going back, I don't know how long, but... Uh, he stayed here, had Gary help him, and they were able to repair a lot of that damage, which is why you see a carpet down here, because it doesn't make sense to pull up the carpet, put down tile, and then cover it with a carpet. But there's an area that's not so good, uh, which they're going to come back and fix. But um, just wanted to thank the guys who helped with that, and uh, we are always saying that, yes, we thank God for all of his financial resources, but we're also grateful for all of the human resources that God blesses us with, people that can help take care of things like this, uh, people that can help whoever took care of the wall out there, people that can help do all this kind of stuff uh, that needs to be done in and around the building. Uh, but also, really quick, I wanted to share this with you. Uh, coming up in mid-July, Saturday, July 15th, uh, we're going to have our blessing board drive-up donations. They take donations of household wear, we're gonna, not going to do furniture, we'll have a list of stuff, but stuff that they take and they provide free to families in need, um, and the only thing they ask for is prayer. We're going to need some volunteers for that, so if anyone is interested, they're not here, but I'm going to ask you to contact Adam and Heather, because Adam uh, is one of the people who works at the Blessing Board, and Heather volunteers there, um, and actually we need to be in prayer for them because uh, Adam's aunt is on hospice, and they feel like today might be the day where she goes home to be with the Lord, which is where they are right now. So later on, we're going to spend some time in prayer, not just for them, but for all of us. So I'm going to ask all of you to take a moment and think of those things that you want to, family members you want to pray for, things that you want to be in prayer about, people that you want to be in prayer for. So as you are making your way back to your seats and getting situated. This morning, we're continuing with our series that you guys created. Uh, we're walking through a lot of conversations about the body of Christ and about the church. And I have to say that um, some of the questions that you guys submitted and some of the ones from online are probably along what we would call the controversial lines. We're going to get to those in a couple of weeks, uh, but we will get to those. Um, 
many of you guys, both here and in the room, uh, in the room and a lot of people online, uh, responded to this question, what should the church talk about more often? What are the things that we should be discussing more frequently, talking about? Um, and today, we're going to be looking at a question that someone sent online, their response to what should the church talk about more often? Um, this is the video I made asking the people online the same thing. What do we need to talk more about? And I don't know if you can see uh, their bottom response. In response, what they said is apologetics and prayer. Now, if you don't know what apologetics are, it's not apologizing for the faith. It literally means ways to defend the faith. And we're going to be talking about that all month long uh, in a couple of weeks. We're going to spend like three or four weeks in July talking about apologetics uh, and how to defend the faith in a series of different conversations. But today, we're going to be talking about prayer. So the question for today is, why isn't the church talking more about the importance of prayer? Because, and I don't want to put people on the spot, so I'm not going to ask people to raise their hand, but hopefully as Christians, we acknowledge that prayer is pretty important to the life of the Christian, right? Super important thing. Here's the thing. Um, God gives us a lot of resources as Christians that we can use. One of the most powerful, of course, first being his Holy Spirit, right? He gives us the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. The Holy Spirit of God resides in us. Huge resource, very powerful. Second thing he gives us is prayer. We have the ability not to just call out to him so that we can enter his family, but to talk and converse with him, and we'll talk about that today. The third is another Holy Spirit-filled, praying, Bible-believing, Christ-follower. Another asset that we have is the other people who will pray for us, encourage us, stand together with us, right? So here's the thing. We're going to talk about this morning because prayer is a huge topic, and, and there's so much that we could say about prayer that would make it, like, all-encompassing. There's so much in the Bible. There's how do you pray? When should you pray? Do you pray in the name of Jesus or do you pray to God? All that stuff. And this won't be the last time we talk about prayer. It's not the first time we've talked about prayer. But to keep it simple this morning, we're just going to focus on three questions, right? First question is, what is prayer? Uh, for those who don't actually know what it is, we're going to talk about that. We're going to keep it quick and simple. And then we're going to talk about why should we pray? Like, why is this such a vital and important resource to the body of Christ that we get to talk to and pray to God? And I get people that ask me this all the time, and someone recently asked this, and I wish I had all his other comments, but he said, I have a question. <clears throat> if God already knows what's going to happen, then why pray? And we're going to talk about that this morning. Now, he said, I get it to build a relationship with him, but... I've been praying, and in a bunch of other comments, he listed all these things that he was praying for that he felt like he didn't get a response to, like God didn't hear him or God failed him, and that's not the case, so we're going to talk about that this morning, but we're going to talk about what is prayer, why should we pray, and then what happens when we pray. Has anyone ever wondered, and be honest, it's okay, because I've wondered this a lot before I was a Christian and after I became a Christian, what happens when we pray? Anyone ever wondered that? I am the only one that wondered that. Okay, okay, thank you for being out. Uh, there are probably other people uh, who wondered that. Now, here's the thing. We're going to talk about prayer. Then we're going to spend some time in prayer. So again, right now, um, I'm 
I'm not going to ask you to respond now. Start thinking of things that we want to pray about because it doesn't make sense to spend the morning to talk about what is prayer, why should we pray, answer what happens when we pray, and then to not spend the time praying. Uh, and if you're watching online, and I think, yeah, there's a couple of people online, um, feel free to post your responses uh, and things that you are praying for online, and we will pray for those as well. Now, we're going we're gonna to jump through some places in the Bible but primarily, we're going to start off, because that's going to give us a good foundation, in Luke chapter 8. So if you have a Bible, turn to Luke chapter 8, okay? So we're going to start, though, while you're turning there, we're going to start with this question, the definition of prayer. What is prayer, All right? So prayer, there was a lot of, there are, and there were a lot of words used in the Greek and in the Hebrew for the word pray, because it wasn't just a term used to talk to God. Like there were people who would say, I pray that you do this for me, or do this I pray, or I pray ye, if you read King James, all that kind of stuff. There are a lot of conversations where people use that language, especially in the Bible, not talking to God, but talking to one another. You can look it up and you'll see that. So there's a lot of different uh, Greek words, a lot of different Hebrew words, just like we have a lot of different words for I want to ask you something, I want to request something from you, I need something from you, all have similar meanings but we have different words because they have slightly different contexts. So there were a lot of different words used associated with the word prayer, but the one that we're focused on is to ask specifically of God. This is, this is what prayer, when we talk about it from a Christian aspect is, is to ask things of God, but it also means to intercede on behalf of, to step in on behalf of somebody else, which is why some of us this morning, we're going to be praying for other people. We're going to be praying for uh, different people. We're going to be praying for um, lots of different uh, things. But also, it also means to beseech. It's an urgent request, right? Some of us go to prayer with some just nonchalant, you know, hey, God, help me find the, you know, best shirt I can wear today that makes me look good. But some of us go with, hey, God, you know what? I can't pay my bills. I need your help. Hey, God, I've got a family member in the hospital. Hey, God, I just got a phone call that my child is in an unsafe situation. I need your prayer. It's an urgent request. Now, we don't use the term to beseech, or I don't use the term to beseech, um, but it's, it's one of the terms that comes up if you Google what prayer means or if you look up even the language. But it's ultimately this, to call to one's aid... And the person that we're calling to come aid someone is God. This, in a nutshell, when we talk about prayer from a biblical aspect, is what we mean by um, prayer. To, to ask something of God, to intercede on behalf of someone else. Maybe they're not able to. Maybe they don't know God. And to, it's an urgent request. And we're calling God to step in and help and aid in this situation, right? Now, here's the thing. In the... Old Testament, they did what you and I do. How many people have spent time in prayer in the last week over something, friend, family member, whatever? Yeah, we all have done, whether we bowed our knees, whether we went into a prayer closet, whatever we did, we, we spent time in prayer. God help us, God help someone, whatever. That's what they did in the Old Testament as well. They would, they would go, they would pray to God, they would gather as not just a body, but as a nation, as a family, as a community, and say, God help us. They would gather as a nation and say, hey, there's an enemy coming against us, God help us. Same thing we did. 
go past the Gospels into the New Testament, people do that from then up until today. We go, we bow our knees, we sit in a, a, a congregational uh, platform like this, uh, and we say, hey, God, we need your help. We're by a bedside. We're looking over our bills. We just got fired from our job, whatever it is, and we ask, God, we need your help. Here's the difference, though, and this will help us get a better visual of why we pray, okay? In the Gospels, they did all this, but they didn't look up to the sky. They went directly to Jesus and said, hey, I need your help. Hey, I'm interceding on behalf of a family member or of a friend who needs you with this urgent request, and they're calling and saying, Jesus, can you come help someone? So the same thing they did in the Old Testament, same thing we do today, they did in the Gospels, but they did it directly going to Jesus. So if you have a Bible, open it up to Luke chapter 8, I believe is what I said, I hope that's what I said. Yeah, Luke chapter 8, and if you don't have one, it should be one on the table or underneath your chair in front of you. And in Luke chapter 8, this is what we read. So drop down to verse 40. This is what it says. When Jesus returned, a crowd welcomed him, for they were all expecting him. Then a man named Jairus, a ruler of the synagogue, came and fell at Jesus' feet, and he was pleading with him to come to his house because his only daughter a girl of about 12 was dying. So Jairus, his daughter's dying. He does everything that we said here. He goes to Jesus, who we know is God, and he asks him, hey, I need your help. He's interceding on behalf of his daughter who is dying. It's an urgent request. He's like, come quickly. I need you, Jesus, to come to her aid and to help her, Right? Then it says this, as Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him, and a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, but no one could kill her. She came up behind him, touched the edge of his cloak, and immediately her bleeding stopped. This is the exact same thing. This is a woman who says, I've got to go and ask this of God, but I'm going to do it on behalf of myself, because sometimes we need to pray for ourselves for things that we need, and it's an urgent request, and if you read some versions, it doesn't just say she's been bleeding for 12 years. She had been bleeding for 12 years, and she spent all she had trying to get it fixed. So now she's not only still not healed, but she's broke, and she comes to God with this urgent request that I need you to help me, but so ashamed of it, that she comes up, and if I can just touch him, I will have all of this resolved, right? Jump over to verse 49. While Jesus was still speaking, someone came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue ruler. Your daughter is dead, he said. Don't bother the teacher anymore. Hearing this, Jesus said to Jairus, don't be afraid. Just believe, and she will be healed. Now, when he arrived at the house of Jairus, he didn't let anyone go in with him except Peter, John, and James, the child, and the child's mother and father. Meanwhile, all the people were wailing and mourning for her. Stop wailing, Jesus said. She is not dead, but asleep. And this is key. They laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. 
And this is, this is the same response when something happens in our community or maybe in your family, and you're like, I'm going to go pray about this. And the people that think they know the situation better and that don't know God, they laugh at us and they mock at us. When the next violent thing happens and you see all the comments that said, I'm praying for you, then you see the people respond with, stop praying, do something about it. And they laugh at us and they mock us when we see the people that are hurting in a hospital and we say, oh, we're going to pray for you. And they mock us and they laugh at us and they say, why are you wasting your time praying? And here's why we pray. Because all of the action that everyone else claims to do has not fixed a single thing. So we say, I'm going to take it to someone who is bigger than the situation because he can help. We go and say, I'm going to intercede on behalf of our community, our nation, or whatever. I'm going to urgently request that God intercede and that he fix this. So they laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. But he took her by the hand and said, my child, get up. Her spirit returned. Circle that. Because one of the questions that somebody asked, I think it was someone here that asked is, what happens after we die? Like, what is, the, what is that transition from this point to that point till we're in heaven? And so we're going to talk about that, and we're going to come back and reference this verse, because Jesus says, her spirit returned. So she was dead, her spirit was somewhere else, but then it returned, and at once she stood up. Then Jesus told them to give her something to eat. Her parents were astonished, but he ordered them not to tell anyone what happened. Now, that's prayer. We don't think of it because it's a physical thing that, you know, if you watch it in a movie or you imagine it in your head, people going up to talk to someone, and we don't have that capability today, but that's prayer. Because today, if your family member is in the hospital, you can't, like Jairus, say, hey, I'm going to leave, I'll be right back, and they're like, where are you going? I'm going to go, and I'm going to drive over, I'm going to get Jesus, and I'm going to bring him back here. You can't do that today. So instead, we pray. You can't say, hey, I'm, I'm hurting and I'm, I've been like issue of blood or whatever, dealing with this medical ailment for 12 years. So now you call an ambulance and they're like, where do you want to go? We're going to take you to Jefferson. And you're like, no, take me to Jesus because he can heal me. We can't do that today. So instead, we pray because we can't physically go to God and ask our request, but we can go spiritually and it is the exact same thing. The same way Jesus was like, I'll hear this request and here's how I'm going to respond to this request is the same way when we pray to God, even though he's not physically here, he hears our request and he says that I'm going to respond to these requests. So now that we know the definition of prayer, here's the other thing. Why should we pray? Why should we spend time in prayer? Why is that important? And I was trying to find a perfect perfect Bible verse that would explain this, but I couldn't, so I'm going to share this story, and I may have shared this in the past. When I got out of the military, right, spent 12 years in the military, first two years I was a reservist, because I was like, I don't want to do this full time if it just sucks, <laughs> at least if I'm a reservist, I can only do it on the weekend, I don't have to worry about it, but I loved it, I loved being in the military, so as soon as I got back, I was like, I want to go full time, it took time for the government wheels to turn, get the paperwork done, and then I, I think it was like a year and a half, two years, went back on full-time active duty, spent a total of uh, maybe almost nine and a half to 10 years on active duty, and then me and the Army didn't agree, so I'm like, I'm out, I'm getting out. And they were like, fine, see ya. When I got out, there's a form that you get, 
It's called a DD-214 that has a list of here's all your military time. Kind of like if you want to drive and have ID, you need driver's license. If you want to show that you've been in the military, uh, the formal record is called a DD-214. I got out. I said, I'm going to you know, try to get whatever benefits are available. I sent him my form to say, I need my DD-214. I got it back. I looked at it. I opened up this envelope, pulled out my DD-214, and in it was, here's all of your active duty time, two years as a reservist, that's it. I'm like, wait, that's, that's not right. But, you know, government's kind of slow, so I figured I'm going to give it some time, I'll wait, and then eventually in time, you know, it'll catch up and I'll get the paperwork. So six months later, I sent in a request, I got the form, I opened it up, there was a copy of my DD-214, here's all of your military time, two years. I'm like, wait. This is, this is not the way it's supposed to be, because I, I mean, I just spent almost 12 years of my life, so I want my full 12 years. So I waited like a year and a half, then I waited another two years, and I think it was a total of seven years later before I realized, I can't do this on my own. So I wrote to my congressman, I'm in no way saying that the government is God, not saying that, but I wrote to my congressman, because I was like, he's got more pull, more know-how than me about working with government agencies. He sent me a form. He said, I need you to fill this out. And I called his office. I was like, why am I filling out this form? It looks like the exact form I filled out that I sent in for my DD-214. They said, because he needs your permission to intercede on your behalf. So you still have to fill out the form. He's going to attach something to it saying, this is from Floyd, but I as the congressman in stepping in and making this request. Two weeks later, I got a letter back from him, and it said, hey, Mr. Hughes, here's what we found. We sent in a request on your behalf. Here's what they said they had, a record of your military service. Let me know if you have any questions. I open it up. There's my duty 214, and it says, here's two years of active duty service that you have served. And I'm like, this, what? What is wrong with our government? I turn the next page, and here's another DD-214 with here's your two years, and here's your 10 years, here's your full 12 years of active duty service. So even though he did the exact same thing that I did, and I don't know, he probably sent it to a different department than I sent mine in, because I've consulted with the government, and I know when you get a request from a congressman, you don't hand it to Joe Schmo to do it. You hand it to Joe Schmo's boss, who then hand carries it to his boss, who gives it to a director who sits down with a department head that says, make this happen today. And then they're able to respond. So that's why we pray, because we need someone bigger than ourselves to handle it. That's why we pray. When we see violence erupting in all of our cities, we know the cops may not be able to handle it, the government may not be able to handle it, but we go to a God who is bigger and can handle it. This is why we pray, because the doctors, although they've done all they can, there are people who feel like, hey, you know what? Not shaming the doctors, but I'm going to go to someone who can do exceedingly, abundantly more than we can ask or imagine. That's why we pray. Because there's just some things that we can't handle here. We need to go to someone who is much bigger than us. And now that we know what is prayer and why we should pray, because we have to go to someone bigger than us, here's the question, what happens when we pray? Because once we bow our head or bow our knees or enter our closet or pull over on the side of the road or whatever it is we do next to a hospital bed or whatever, and we start to pray, 
what happens next. And the first thing we need to understand is that every time we pray, God hears us. Right? This is what the Bible tells us, that in 1 John, John writes, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. So first and foremost, this is for Christians. This is for those people who have committed their lives to Christ. This is for Christians, and he writes it so that we know that we have eternal life. Right? Now, here's the thing. If you're a non-Christian, does God hear you when you pray? Absolutely. Absolutely. If you're a parent and you hear someone else's child asking for help or whatever, you're going to respond as a parent. But there are certain things that that child, if they ask, you're going to be like, you need to take that to your mom and dad. And God's the same way. There are certain things when people ask God, he's going to hear them whether you're a Christian or not. But there's certain things, he's like, hey, you want nothing to do with me as God, so I feel like I'm not going to violate your request. But John says this, this is the confidence we have in approaching God that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Now, you don't have to raise your hand, but I can't be the only one who's ever prayed something that was not in accordance with the will of God, right? I've been praying for a Tesla for like 10 years. Still don't have one. I'm happy with what I'm driving. Probably tonight, tomorrow, and next week, we'll continue to pray for a Tesla. Not in God's will. Maybe sometime it will be. So if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And the, it, he hears us even if it's not according to his will. But the reason that John says this is because if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. People will take this verse and say, hey, if we know that God hears us, we know that whatever we ask, he's going to give it to us. Not true. Because the preceding verse says it needs to be in accordance with his will. You ask anything that's within God's will, God, I want this. And God's like, that's what I have planned for you. He's like, here you go. But a lot of us, we ask things that are not in God's will. And overarching, whether it's in his will or not, once we pray, here's what happens. God responds, and sometimes his response is yes. Especially, that's within my will. Here you go. I've been waiting for you to get in line with me and what I want for you. Here it is. You can have it. Continue to march on. Have a great day. But sometimes, his response is not yet. Sometimes his response is, you're not ready for this thing that you're asking for. Have you ever, and don't raise your hand because you know, we don't want to embarrass anyone, you ever worked with someone who their first day on the job, they think, I could run this place, I could do you know, better than everybody else, all that stuff, and they're like, if they made me boss tomorrow, this place would be, no, you're not ready for that. And the same is true of us. We go to God and we ask for things, and God's like, you're not ready for that yet. I'm not going to give it to you yet. You're not able to handle it yet. This is why, this is one of the reasons why we don't give children access to our bank accounts, right? Because they would spend your rent money on Fruity Pebbles and Gogurt. They would think nothing's wrong. You'd be like, we're homeless, because they don't have, they're not ready to handle that kind of money. So you start them off with, here's a dollar allowance for a chore. Here's $10 allowance for a chore. Here's just that. Because a lot of children aren't ready for stuff. This is also why, and if you, we talked about this last week, you read the account of Abraham, right? God said, I'm going to make you into a great nation. I'm going to give you a child in your old age. And Abraham, probably the first recorded person that said, I'm too old for this God, so he decided, I'm going to do it my way, went and took his handmaid, Sarah, 
and had a child, Hagar, and had a child through her. And so they ended up, because it wasn't God's will, and God's like, hey, not yet. You're not ready for this yet. But they ended up with just a dysfunctional family. We ended up with a Middle East crisis that's not going to be resolved until Jesus comes back. Because they weren't willing to wait for what God had in store. They weren't ready for what God had for them. So God, sometimes he says, yes, here you go. Sometimes he says, not yet. You've got to wait right? But then sometimes his answer is, I have something absolutely positively better than what you were asking for. And if you picture like your child uh, asking, hey, you know, I want a used car, so I'm going to save up $1,200. And you're like, hey, don't waste your time on that because I'm going to give you my car because I'm about to buy a new one. So instead of a $1,200 22-year-old car, you have a $30,000 three-year-old car, all paid for, all yours. And I'm not saying that God's going to give us all cars, because as I said, I still don't have my Tesla, but sometimes God says, I have something better for you. This hurts us sometimes, especially when we are praying for people to be healed. Because we pray, God, I know this is my loved one. This is my family member. I want you to heal them right now so we can be with them again. But God's response is, I have something better for them. Instead of healing them so they can be with you, I'm going to bring them home so they can spend eternity with me. And we don't understand that. So we're left here grieving and hurting, saying, God didn't answer my prayer. But to that person, God says, I have something so much better for them than to spend the next year, to however long, time with you. Or to, to, to be healed partially and then succumb to this disease again. And so God sometimes says yes. Sometimes he says, hey, you're not ready for it. And then sometimes he says, I have something better for you. And the things that we're going to pray about this morning, and we're not going to spend a lot of time doing it, but the things, unless you guys have lots of stuff to pray about, things that we're going to spend time praying about this morning, um, now that we know what prayer is, and now that we know why we should pray, and now that we know what happens when we pray, we're going to step in and we're going to do the thing that we said. We're going to ask God for these urgent prayer requests, for these uh, family members that we're praying for, for uh, the, the financial decisions that we're praying for, for the... Um, Selfishly, yes, for the Tesla, I'm still going to be praying for, but all these things that we're going to ask God, hey, can you answer and respond to these prayers for us? So here's what I'm going to ask you guys to do. Um, remain seated, but I'm going to ask you to bow your head. And if you have a family member who is sick or who is healing that you're praying for or who needs healing or that is hurting or whatever the situation, would you just raise your hand? Some of us, a lot of us have family members. So here's what we're going to do. God, we lift up. You see every hand that is raised. You see the people who are watching online. You see the people who will watch this later and then think of their family members. And you know everyone who is hurting, who is in need of healing, who needs hope. And as we said, we just ask you, we step in, intercede on their behalf, and we come with these urgent requests for their healing, for their restoration, through the power of your Holy Spirit, and we pray this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, and everyone said, Amen. Amen. Now keep your heads bowed, uh, eyes closed. Um, if you have a family member or friend, or might be for you, 
who is in need of maybe uh, not healing, but a financial situation. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand because I'm not trying to embarrass anyone. Uh, but if you know that someone that's, that, that's hurting financially, there's so many people that have lost their jobs, we want to spend time praying for them. God, we lift up every family member, every friend, every business owner, because all these businesses are closing and hurting. And we know the government hasn't helped them. We know that local governments hasn't helped them. So we come urgently to the God who is able to do exceedingly abundantly more than we can ask or imagine and pray that you would provide for them that you would give them hope, that you would give them comfort during this time of just frustration and humiliation, but that you would be their source of provision. We pray that they, they would have food. We pray that you would use the God-honoring people around them to help them through this time. And we pray this in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, and everyone said, amen. And here's the last thing we're going to pray for, and I'm going to ask you to raise your hand for this. If you know of someone that you're praying for, that they would come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior, just bow your heads, close your eyes, raise your hand if you have someone who you're praying for to come to know Jesus as Lord. Could be a family member, could be a friend, could be a coworker who gets on your last nerve. Whatever the reason, God, we lift up to you that friend, that family member, that coworker, that person within our circle of influence who we want to experience your love, your grace, your mercy, and your goodness. We pray that they would come to know you as Lord and Savior. We pray that if necessary, use us to share and show the love of Christ to them. We pray that your Holy Spirit would speak to their heart so that they might experience your goodness, grace, and love, but so that they also might step across the line of faith and become a part of your family so that they can spend eternity with you. And we pray this in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. And everyone said, amen. 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 Uh, thank you, guys. Um, if you have more prayer requests, um, we do prayer every Wednesday night. You can jump online then, and, and we pray for one another. Uh, pray that you have an awesome rest of your Sunday. God bless, and see everyone next week. We hope you enjoyed the message. If you did, please leave a comment on our webpage, crossroadsofjeffersonhills.com, or our Facebook page. You can also join our Sunday celebration every Sunday at 1037 a.m. We look forward to hearing from you online or in person. Thank you and God bless.